today I get this opportunity to share with you uh, something that I'm, that's really close to my heart. And really the whole series that we've been talking about the last three weeks is hot topics, answering the questions that burn. And really a question that's been burning in my heart for the last three months is this, how to grow through transitions, how to grow through transitions. And recently there was a survey conducted and they said that the four major causes of stress were these, and they all had to do with transitions. One was moving, the second was a job change. The third was a health crisis. Or the fourth, and the fourth was entering into marriage. So I thought we could take a, a brief survey here. How many of you have recently moved? Raise your hand if you've recently moved. Raise, okay, all right, we got a couple. Raise your hand if you've recently made a job change. All right, look around here. All right, we're seeing that. And raise your, we're going to skip the health crisis one because I don't want to embarrass anybody here. But raise your hand. Raise your hand if you recently were married. Raise your hand. All right, we, we got a couple. All right, let's give them a hand clap. Celebrate that with them. That's exciting. Good times. That's very exciting. Well, for the last three months, Amy and I have actually been going through two of these transitions. And by the way, Amy's my wife, in case you didn't know who that was. Amy and I have, have been going through these two of these transitions, and one is a move. We've made this move from Pennsylvania to Jersey City. And we, we, uh, we started this incredible journey about three months ago where we sensed the Lord was leading us to join the Journey staff. And so we, as we've been making this journey to, to join the staff here, what we found is that there's a lot of work that comes with moving. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. Maybe you realize that. Maybe that's one, it's one, one of the stresses that they mentioned. But as we were getting ready to move, we had to get ready to sell our home. And so what we had to do is we had to do a lot of cleaning. Okay, and by the way, I'm not really good at cleaning. Amy will tell you that. So Amy did a lot of cleaning, you know, and, and told me to move this box or move that box, you know. But Amy, Amy and I were getting our house ready to sell, and we had so much stuff that we had to have two yard sales, two yard sales, because we had to get rid of some of the stuff that happened uh, as we were, you know, getting ready to move into a smaller space. You know, and that's the next step in, in the journey of moving is you have to find an apartment. And what you find out very quickly is that the cost of living in Pennsylvania and the cost of living in Jersey City is very different. And, and I think I could get some like head nods, yes, yes, it's very true. And so we had to adjust to that uh, very quickly. And what we realized is that as we were doing this, that um, and our home was up for sale, we also knew that a little surprises may come, a, come, a, come along the way. And one surprise that happened to us is that the weekend we were supposed to move, Amy came to meet me in Jersey City from Pennsylvania. And as she's making her way uh, to, to Jersey City, all of a sudden, the car starts going, boop, 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 And Amy wisely pulls over. And what we find out is that the car just stopped working altogether, and our transmission went. And that was all happened in the weekend. And not only are we making this move, but we're making this job change as well. You know, Amy and I have joined the, the Journey staff. And I, I don't know if you know this, but Amy is the office manager for the Journey Church. And she's doing a great job. But we learned really quickly about ourselves is that we don't really enjoy having to uh, learn all these new skills. What we prefer is to come to the office one day and have all the skills needed to make an instant impact. You know, we want to bypass that whole part where you make mistakes. You know, people are like graciously, oh, it's not, oh, it's okay. That's just part of the learning. You're like, no, I don't want that. I just want to, you know, I want to know it. You know, and Amy and I had a hard time with that. But I think for all of us, we have experienced some type of transition. And it may not be exactly, you know, a move or a job change. It may not even be the four stresses that I mentioned. 
But I know that God has, you know, really a plan for us to have success through the transitions. Go ahead and take out your message notes. Go ahead and take your message notes out at this time. And what we find is that the word transition really means this. It means a passage from one place, state, condition to another. It's a passage from one place, state, condition to another. And this is what you saw with Amy and I. You know, Amy and I, we left Pennsylvania and we came over to Jersey City. Amy left Iron Hill Construction Company to work for the Journey Church. So those are what transitions mean. It's going from one place to another, one destination to another. And then every transition, every transition has an element of stress and is oftentimes forced upon us. Every transition has an element of stress and is oftentimes forced upon us. And stress through transitions comes in many forms and fashions. You know, it may be the fear of the unknown. You know, what will happen? You know, what will this look like? What will this be like? And then it may even be the fact that the little details that we talked about, the little details can stress people out. You know, it's a, it's a really stressful element. Or it may be for Amy, I know it was saying goodbye to Pennsylvania where she had lived most of her life. You know, it was saying goodbye to mom and dad and to the home that she had known for, for her whole life. And that was a big, big stress on her. So transitions, again, have an element of stress in them. So here's, here's the question. How do we have success or how do we grow even through the transitions? How do we experience this abundant life that Jesus Christ has called us to? Because I really believe that Jesus wants us to have success through the transitions. And there's one word, one word that really will give us success, and it's the word trust. T-R-U-S-T. Trust. And trust really means to be confident in God, to be secure, to understand who really is in control. And let's go ahead and, as you look at your message notes, let's read together the memory verse that's found on the front of your message notes, and it's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. All right, here we go. Let's read it together. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Let's do it one more time. All right, here we go again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. And there are many characters in the Bible who really live this out, who are going through transitions or going through an element of stress and yet put into practice trust. But there is one character that stuck out to me uh, specifically, and his name is Joseph. And no, I'm not talking about myself. In case you're wondering, you're like, wow, this guy is pretty arrogant. Now, I'm not talking about myself. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about the great leader of the Old Testament, Joseph. And his story takes up a majority of Genesis. And what we find out about Joseph is that he was the son of Rachel and Jacob. He had 11 brothers. And here's what we know about him and his 11 brothers. His 11 brothers couldn't stand him. They couldn't stand him. And here's why. Joseph kind of had this bratty tendency. And he would go and tell on his brothers to his dad. And not only that, that made, you know, things kind of weird. But then he goes and tells them one day, he says, hey, I had these two dreams. And basically the dreams he tells them, basically he says, one day you're going to bow down before me. And his brothers are like, you shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have said that. And his dad was like, what are you doing? You know, his dad says, Joseph, don't talk, like your, talk to your brothers that way. And so one day they're out in this field, and, they, and their brothers come up with this pot. They're like, you know what? We're going to, let's kill Joseph. We're just going to kill him. 
You know, that sounds like a good idea. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. But, but instead, one of the brothers intervenes and says, you know what, let's not kill him. Let's just sell him into slavery. And we'll just tell our dad, we'll pretend that he got eaten alive by a wild animal. I'm like, oh, that's a better idea, right? That's, that's nicer, you know? But so he, he sold into slavery, and he eventually makes his way into Egypt. And what we're going to find out today is really that there's a lot of lessons we learn from the life of Joseph about how to grow through transitions, because Joseph lived this out. And here's the first lesson that we learn from the life of Joseph. It's to talk with God through the transition. It's to talk with God through the transition. And you may have expected me to say something else. You may be like, wow, that's, that's easy. Like, that's not really a, a kind of an, you're probably not really, really intrigued maybe by that point. But here's what happens oftentimes when we go through the transitions. We often forget to talk to God. It's easier for me to pick up my cell phone and call my brothers. It's easier for me to call my friends. It's easier for me to talk to somebody else besides God. And really, what we see from the life of Joseph is that he really lived that out. And I'll never forget when I was making my way from high school to college, a youth pastor from our area named Jeff Hodges said to me, he said, Joseph, as you move out of state, there are going to be days where you're going to feel lonely. There are going to be days that you're not sure what's going to happen. What I want you to do is I want you to go into your bedroom, get on your knees, and pray. And he said that because he knew, he knew that there were going to be moments as I was making this transition into college, that I would feel lonely, that I would say, God, I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. And he knew that I would grow in my relationship with Christ if I did that. So we need to talk with God through the the transitions. And on the journey to Egypt, I'm sure that Joseph, I'm confident he had this conversation with God, this very authentic, real conversation, a conversation that said something to the effect, God, I'm really hurt right now. I'm really angry. I can't believe my brothers betrayed me. I can't believe that they sold me into slavery. I'm sure, I I really believe that he cried out to God and said, God, what is going on? And we often are afraid to pray like this because God is so perfect and God is so holy. And if we prayed honest prayers, we would think that God would say, hey, you're out of line. How dare you talk to me that way? But God's not like that. God cares. He wants to know what's going on in our lives. He wants, to sh- he wants us to share our hearts with him. He wants us to pour out his, um, our emotions to him and say, God, I don't know what to do. I'm scared. I'm alone. I'm hurt. I need you. Listen to how David said, well, listen to what David said about prayer in Psalm 62.8. This is in your message notes. It says, trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. David says to trust in him at all times, to trust in the Lord in all times. Go ahead and circle that phrase. Trust in him at all times. And then he says, pour out your heart. Pour out your heart to him. I want you to underline that phrase. Pour out your heart to him. Pour out your hearts to him. And I really believe this has the idea of sharing our anguish, our pain, to letting the emotion just flow out of us. And prayer is so important because prayer strengthens us. It gives us clarity about situations. It helps build reliance upon God. And not only does prayer strengthen us, not only does it give us clarity, but it also, it also helps us to, it helps reduce our stress. It helps reduce our worries. Because prayer and worry 
can't coexist. Really, they don't go together. Because prayer really is about giving over our situation to someone who can do something about it. It's saying, God, here is the situation that is bigger than me, and I'm putting it in your hands. I'm placing it in your hands because I know that you can do something about this situation. Listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote about worry. And this is in Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It says, he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then he says this key phrase, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And I want you to underline that phrase, the peace of God, the peace of God. And then I want you to circle the phrase, transcends all understanding. That transcends all understanding. And see, we can experience this type of peace as we talk through God with, through the transitions. And I know for me and for Amy, we've had to make time to do that. I've had to take time and just cry out to God, say, God, I don't understand how this works. God, as I'm at the, as I'm at the journey office sometimes, I'm like, Lord, I don't understand how to do this. Will you help me? And you know what he does? He gives me the grace. He gives me the strength. He gives me the peace. But we have to pray. We have to talk with God through the transition. And the second lesson that we learn from Joseph is that we need to remember the Lord is with you through the transitions. That the Lord is with you through the transitions. That the Lord is with you through the transitions. As we go through these times, we must not forget that God is with us. And I'll never forget this when I was a young man, when I was two years old, when I was a child, when I was a child, my, one day, one day uh, my dad made a decision to leave me and my brothers and my mom. I mean, he didn't leave just to, like, go to Dunkin' Donuts and come back. I mean, he left, and he never came back into our lives. And he left because it got too tough. The situation was too much. So he left. And, you know, and that was really difficult. And I tell you that because I want you to understand that that's not how our Heavenly Father works. When the situations get tough, He doesn't say, good luck. I hope it all works out. I wish you the best. No, He's right there with us. He's right there with us as we go through these transitions. When you're at work, He's with us. Man, when you go home to your new bride or groom, He is right there with you. When you're spending time with your friends, He's there. When you've just had a terrible day and you just think, wow, it can't get any worse, he's right there with you. He's right there with you through the transitions. And my, pro- my professor once said this. She said, it's not, that we don't, it's not that God's not with us. It's that we fail to be aware of him. We fail to be aware of his presence in our lives. We fail to, sin- to be aware of the fact that he's walking with us through these transitions and you know what? I want you to think about that for a moment because I think as we, we ask God to help those in need or even to help us in the situations, we don't necessarily need to pray, Lord, be with me. We need to pray, God, help me to be aware of you. Help me to be aware of you because you are, you've already promised that you're with me. You've already promised that you're going to be by my side. And so we should pray, Lord, be Help me to be aware of you. Help me to be aware of you. I want you to do this for a moment. I want you to just turn to your neighbor and say that God is with you. God is with you. God is with you. All right, don't, everybody do it. 
God is with you. All right, good job, good job. God is with you. But listen to what, it's, what, it said, what it said about Joseph in, 30, in uh, Genesis 39.2. It says this, and this is in your message notes. It says, the Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. And three times alone in Genesis 39, the, the phrase, the Lord was with Joseph, is in, in that passage. It's in Genesis 39 because, again, I think it's to highlight the reality. As we go through these transitions, the Lord is with us. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with me as well. And as God was with Joseph, he also, again, is with us. And we can experience this in a very real, tangible way. And I talked about this early on. We can experience this by joining a growth group. Because you know what? There's no, there's no greater way except for maybe like prayer or reading the scriptures you know, those are great as well, but by, by spending time in a small group or in a growth group, being encouraged by people, say, hey, you're not alone. I'm right here with you. I'm praying for you. That is such a tangible way to be reminded that God is with us, that God is with us through the transition. I encourage you to sign up for a growth group today, and you can do that on your connection card on the next steps, to sign up for a growth group, to really experience the power of God being with you. And the third lesson that we learn from the life of Joseph is this, is that to understand that God is unchanging. Understand that God is unchanging. And we may feel, as we are going through a job change or a move, that somehow God has changed, that he still isn't the same. That somehow God has mysteriously changed uh, who he was when we were at, a, at the place that we last lived. But here's the reality. Even though Joseph's address had changed, even though where he called home for this moment in time had changed, his God hadn't changed. His God had remained the same. His God had remained the same in, with his character. He stayed consistent. And I want you to be reminded of that, that God is right there with you, that God is not only right there with you, but he's unchanging. He's steadfast. He's still the same God. The moments where you felt really close to him, Maybe it was at a growth group, or maybe it was at a, a different, you know, you're at a worship concert, or maybe at those moments where you were praying alone. And, you, you know, that happened maybe a couple months before you moved. You know what? That still can happen because God is unchanging. God is unchanging. And listen to what it says in Genesis 39, 6 through 10. And this is in your message notes as well. It says, now Joseph was well-built and handsome. And I want you to know that has often been said about me. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. You're like, people are like, no, I don't think so. All right, verse, verse 7, it says this. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. And verse 8, but he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. Verse 9, no one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even to be with her. And even though Joseph was no longer at his home, where he called home, where he was born, he still remembered that his God hadn't changed. And we see this, and we see this by the way he responded to his master's wife saying, come to bed with me. Because Joseph knew that God's intent for any type of sexual relationship was in the context of marriage with one woman and one man. 
And he says, you know what? To do this would be to sin against my God. It would be to sin against my God because he understood, again, that his God hadn't changed just because his address had changed. His God had remained the same. And I think that's so important for us to remember. It's so important for us to keep in mind that God hasn't changed. He's still the same. He's still steadfast with his character. He's still consistent with who he is. And I love how, as a result of Joseph being aware of that, he kept his moral character intact because he wanted to honor God. And in the end of this, this whole story, we find that uh, the, his master's wife ends up accusing Joseph of raping her, even though he didn't. And then Joseph's thrown in prison. He's thrown in prison, and a lot of things happen as in his time in prison. But what we do find out, even in that time, is that Joseph was totally aware that his God was still the same. That his God was still the same. That his God hadn't changed. Let's read this verse together. It's in Hebrews 13.8. Hebrews 13.8. It says this. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus Christ is the same as he was at your last job, at the last place that you lived. He's the same today as you've come here to church. Hey, it may not be the same church that you were at a couple months ago, but it doesn't matter. Because guess what? He is the same. He is the same, and he wants you to, to really uh, understand that. He wants you to acknowledge that, because no matter how you feel or no matter what may be happening, and we all go through those emotional roller coasters where we're like, man, I, I don't feel like you're, you're close, God. I don't feel like you're near, but he is because he's remained the same, and we got to keep that in mind. Just because our emotions change, just because our days, aren't, don't, our, our, just because our days may change and difficulties may come, our God still remains the same. He still remains the same. And the fourth lesson, though, that we learn from Joseph is to start living a life of contentment. Start living a life of contentment. And one of the common struggles that I hear for people who move into Jersey City is that they can't stop thinking about the place they just left. They can't stop thinking about the place where they used to live, they can't stop thinking about that place. And I know that for, for me personally, that was very difficult. When I lived in Pennsylvania, and by the way, I wasn't born and raised in Pennsylvania. I was born in Atlanta. For the first year and a half of living in Pennsylvania, all I could think about was Atlanta. All I could think about how everything was so different than Atlanta. I'm like, this isn't normal. This isn't Atlanta. You know, and my wife's like, man, why don't you stop complaining? You know, but, but for the first year and a half, I started, I was living like that. I was like, man, I wish I was in Atlanta. I wish I was in Atlanta. And I talked about all the things that I, I wish were here that weren't there. And it wasn't really until about a year and a half later that I started to engage Pennsylvania, that I started really living in Pennsylvania with my mind and my heart. And that's really important when it comes to contentment because we got to live here with our minds and our hearts. we got to make the decision to really be, in, be engaged where we are. And I know for me, what I realized one day is that just because I had moved, just because I had moved didn't mean what God had asked of me had changed. And that goes back to what we just talked about, that God is unchanging. But not only had God not changed, not changed, but also what he asked of me hasn't changed. You know, he still wanted me to love him and to love people. Even if it was Pennsylvania, he still wanted me to do that. And for you, he really wants you to live that way as well to be fully engaged where you are, 
with all your mind, with all your heart. And so what I want you to do right now is I want you to turn to your neighbor, and I want you to tell them where your apartment is. Go ahead. Just tell them where you live at, where your house is at, what, what city, where is it at? Go ahead. All right, and I had you do that because where you said you lived at is, is really where you live. <laughs> it's not your second home. It's your first home. And Amy and I have made that choice to make Jersey City our home. That's our first home. We were born and raised, and I was born and raised in Atlanta. She was born and raised in Pennsylvania. But Jersey City is our home. Jersey City is where we live. It's where we live. That's where we now reside. And that's where we go to sleep at every night. That's our home. And again, if we're going to have success through the transitions, we have to be where we are. I, listened, I heard this quote recently that says, be where you are or you will miss your whole life. Be where you are or you will miss your whole life. You can miss your whole life. And I really believe that was the secret of Joseph's success, is that despite the fact he wasn't where he may have wanted to be. He had made a decision to engage his mind and his heart and to be fully there. Even though things weren't done the way he may have wanted it to be done, he had made this decision to be fully there. And I want you to listen to what the Apostle Paul says about living a life of contentment. This is in your your message notes as well. It says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned but you have had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and of, in, in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. And I want you to underline that last verse. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Paul says that he learned to be content in all things. He says that. He says, I'm sure, you know, and I'm sure that Paul missed the people. I'm sure that he missed the places he had visited. But he said, I learned to have a life of satisfaction despite the transitions. I've learned to be content. I've learned to be happy. And you know why I think Paul was able to do that? I think he was able to do that because he realized that his identity wasn't so much based on where he was or what he had, but on his relationship with Jesus Christ. It was based on the fact that he had this relationship with Jesus. That's why he was able to live a life, a life of contentment, a life that was satisfied. And this ability, again, comes from not allowing my circumstances to dictate how I will respond to life, or how I will, you know, let what I don't or do have define me, but rather to allow Jesus Christ to be the one who defines me, to allow him to lead me, to allow him to guide me, to allow him to show me how to live a life that will honor his name. And we do this. We can do this together. We can live this type of life by making that decision every day, by deciding Jesus I'm going to allow you to be the one that defines me. I'm going, to be, I'm going to allow you to be the one that leads me and guides me. You, Jesus. And the fifth lesson that we learned from the life of Joseph is that we need to take the time to invest in others. We need to take the time to invest in others. And this, this now becomes 
more about uh, the emotional part of it or the mental aspect. It, it comes, uh, th- this part is about pushing through the emotional trauma of being in the transition, of going through the stress, whether it's a job change or whether it's a health crisis. It's about pushing through it and understanding that now I have this opportunity. And my opportunity now is to really impact those around me, to where God's brought me, whatever it may be. You know, it's, it's easy for me personally to say, you know, to look at my situations and say, wow, this is really tough. You know, and sometimes it's easy to get a picture to see Joseph going from this bratty little brother to a man utterly knew more like Jesus. And when, as you looked at your notes, you may not have been aware, but it was an acrostic for the word trust. Trust. Go ahead and hold up your hands just like this. Give me, give me five right here. Five. And we're going to start right here. And this is T-R-U-S-T. And this, this is what I want you to do again. We're going to do it again. And then we're going to do it with what we talked about, the, the five lessons. And the first lesson is this, that we have to talk with God through the transition. Say it with me. Let's, say, let's start again, all right? Talk with God through the transitions, okay? Remember the Lord is with you. Understand that God is unchanging. Start living a life of contentment. Take the time to invest in others. And that's my hope for you. And here's my question. My question for you is, how are you doing? How are you doing with your, the transitions that you're going through? What area do you need to put into practice? Just pick one of these points to put into practice this week. That you're going to say, hey, God, I'm going to work on this this week. Because, again, I want you to have success. And so does he through the transitions. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity uh, to come together. And Lord, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for the life of Joseph and how it's a great example. Father, how it's a great story of a man who says, Lord, I'm going to choose you even despite the transitions I'm going through. And Father, I pray for each of us that we would make that decision. And Lord, that we would put our trust in you, our confidence in you. Help us to grow. Help us to be more like you, Jesus. Help us to resemble you, Lord. Help us to understand again that you are unchanging. And Lord, again, we thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.